0: and welcome to this podcast doesn't exist what's up? i love that you had to look at your microphone before you said hello i know I, I felt i felt i needed to include him you're like do i have your consent i needed to include Michael. my my scene partner he is my scene partner Yeah. Welcome to our show. We're two best (laughs) friends. We do a lot of nonsense, bits, and and tomfoolery. Bits and giggles. Bits and giggles. Put that on the merch. Yes. Put that on the merch. What are you even saying? We don't actually have merch for sale yet? Question mark? I don't know. That's not a promise. It's just a manifestation. But what you can do is, Mark, put it on the merch off on your bingo card, which, where can they find that, Emma?
1: This podcast doesn't exist, dot com. Dot com. And you can find all of our other socials there. We have Instagram. We have TikTok. We have um, Twitter, Twitter, where uh, the hubby is in charge but, yeah, come and find us. You'll find everything there. We live mostly on Instagram. It's so where we post every week's uh, episode photos. So you can come and check those out. I don't know what these, this week's is going to look like. Shannon's eyebrows There's are – cool ones. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Shannon's yeah. th- pretty cool. They'll jump in.
0: <laughs> in the jump in, jump in. Jump in, jump in. Uh, you can also send us an email – yeah from our website it goes straight into our little inbox which i will say the mailbag is pretty light it's pretty easy to carry because we don't have that many messages so yeah if you've got a
1: story whether it be a spooky ghost one if you've got some suggestions which my next episode is going to be a listener suggestion so um get red day the rumble I heard drum roll and not rumble, which is why I did that, and then realized halfway through my drum roll that you said rumble.
0: I mean, I felt it was still appropriate. Okay, great. I'm glad.
1: I'm glad. But yeah, shoot us a message. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know your spooky dreams, uh, your fun conspiracies, um, the time that you were once in a cult.
0: Also, I'm going to say I would love to hear, if you have tried to be an excellent pod fiend and share the show with someone else yeah has it gone positively has it gone not positively i would love to hear either way have you
1: asked what reactions
0: have they had to us
1: have you asked the question what is your favorite conspiracy theory and have they passed the vibe check
0: yes and then you can just copy and paste their response into an email to us and be like yo i asked my coworker kevin this and uh kevin this is what he said that's fine it doesn't have to be your story just send us stuff just we're needy okay also i just want to remind everybody that at the time of this recording we're batching them today so we recorded last week's episode and this week's back to back so we still don't have any updates on the taylor swift friday the (laughs) 13th uh friday the 13th Not that this has anything to do with Taylor Swift. No,
1: and neither did last episode, but it still did. But it did.
0: <laughs> it did. This week's, genuinely, it would be a stretch. I'm sure Steven could do it, but I have not intentionally done it. Fair. But I just wanted to, I just feel like we need to address it. Because what if something epic happened
1: and last we, week and we're not, and we're talking not even about, talking about yeah, it? Yeah, that's like, fair. Come on.
0: But after all of the clownery yes. of all of my many Taylor Swift uh, deep dives... I felt that I would mix it up and do something a little out of the ordinary for this show. Oh? Yeah. Here, this podcast doesn't exist. It is simply a fact of life that we must make do with having no answers. Today, however, I'm breaking the rules. And I'm telling you the tale of Ernest Shackleton's ship, The Endurance, and how, as of March... 2022 she is no longer missing i i got i'm so excited <laughs> did i send you that i must i must not have i sent you a that's TikTok, what it was <laughs> but it was while you were on your tiktok fast during lent yeah which is why i started this research back before we went to colorado in march like yeah. when it came out and then i sent it to you and then i went shoot I shouldn't have sent that to her because now I want to do it on the podcast
1: but I'm not going to look at it
0: I have to do it before she gets back on TikTok but then I had to do the Theodosia Burr to connect to the fact that we were going to see Hamilton and then I fell down a Taylor Swift rabbit hole guys the mental gymnastics we go through for this podcast (laughs) also I will
1: say since it was one of the TikToks in the basically million that you sent me um, it's my love language, okay? It's amazing and I'm so glad that I have a for you page curated specifically for me. It's amazing. However, it definitely got lost in the like I wasn't going to question it. Like it's amazing, but it wouldn't
0: it wouldn't be the thing I'd be like, That's "Oh my fair. gosh,"
1: and like text you about outside of TikTok. That's
0: fair. All right, so we've got a bit of background. We got a lot of background, I feel like. Well, there's background and then there's context. <laughs> They're okay. different. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, who was Ernest Shackleton? Yeah, Shannon who? He definitely belonged on Shannon's middle school obsession list of explorers and extraordinary beings, but somehow he never made the cut.
1: I feel like if they ever had made the, like, pull-out posters that they did in Tiger Beat of these men, you would have had them on your wall.
0: <laughs> wow. That's, amazing.
1: It, you off got, the record, that's what's going to be behind you on that side now. <laughs>
0: we got george mallory sandy Irvin, sandy Irvin, and then we've we've got jeff probst from survivor because middle school
1: shackleton we've got uh, the woman whose memoir you're reading right now (laughs) oh
0: yes we love her yeah yep everybody well and also in middle school it would be like anastasia oh absolutely freaking literally i'm probably like nancy kerrigan i was okay. i went through a yeah. i went through a figure skating phase absolutely well, which yes. like similarly to the everest of it all i did not have any desire to like learn to be a figure skater i just wanted to learn about every figure skater i could learn about so okay. i was like scott hamilton elvis <laughs> Stoiko, i think is his name nancy kerrigan michelle kwan Pe- peggy fleming everybody everybody that i could learn about okay so um, the vision
1: now is full-on like tiger beat-esque so it's like folded in the middle it's that weird like magazine paper and they're all kind of like slightly flapping in the wind but they have like stickers and and like the holographic hearts around them and stuff yeah Yeah. i'm in i'm into that and fallout boy obviously i will stick in the corner and then i don't know what would be behind me (laughs) the void (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> the void. The void. So he never made the cut, but now is his time to shine. yeah Sir Ernest Henry Shackleton. Also, I apologize in advance if at any point during this podcast I referred to him as Ernest Shacklebolt because that's what I kept wanting to type. Like Kingsley mm-hmm. Shacklebolt from Harry Potter. Oh. But his last name, Shackleton, just for the record. That's hilarious. So, Sir Ernest Henry Shackleton was born in County Kildare, Ireland, in 1874. He was an Anglo-Irish Antarctic explorer who led three British expeditions to the Antarctic. He was one of the principal figures of the period, which I'm like, how did I not know this was a thing, of the period known as the Heroic Age of Antarctic Exploration which in case you were wondering, which I know you are, began at the end of the 19th century and ended after the First World War. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. Growing up and attending school in Southeast London, Shackleton was a voracious reader, but he didn't really identify himself as a scholar. He still managed to achieve fifth place out of 31 students in his final semester at Dulwich College. Well done. Jeez. He's not a scholar, but... He, he's still he's smart. pretty smart. In fact, he was made rather bored and restless by his studies.
1: Sounds like he has ADHD.
0: Yeah. For this reason, he was permitted to take to the seas at age 16. His family couldn't afford a cadetship on a Royal Navy vessel, so the young Ernest instead secured a berth with the Northwestern Shipping Company. And then I got a quote from Wikipedia. Mother saw us. During the following four years at sea, Shackleton learned his trade, visiting the far corners of the world and forming acquaintances with a variety of people from many walks of life, learning to be at home with all kinds of men. In August 1894, he passed his examination for second mate and accepted a post as third officer on a tramp steamer of the Welsh Shire Line. Two years later, he had obtained his first mate's ticket, and in 1898, he was certified as a master mariner, qualifying him to command a British ship anywhere in the world, Cool. Yeah. In 1898, Shackleton joined the Union Castle Line, the regular mail and passenger carrier between Southampton and Cape Town. Following the outbreak of the Boer War in 1899, Shackleton transferred to a troop ship where, in March of 1900, he met an army lieutenant, Cedric Longstaff, whose father was the main financial backer of the National Antarctic Expedition, cool. then being organized in London. Can you imagine being like, oh,
1: hey, yeah, so this is my dad. <laughs>
0: it's
1: fine, it's, it's chill, it's chillax, it's, it's really chill. Lee.
0: No, you're welcome. We're done. <laughs> Shackleton used this personal connection to land an interview with the financier, who was quite taken with the young sailor. Longstaff, impressed by Shackleton, recommended him to Sir Clements Markham, the expedition's overlord, <laughs> making it clear he wanted Shackleton accepted. On February 17th, 1901, his appointment as third officer to the expedition ship Discovery was confirmed. On June 4th, he was commissioned into the Royal Navy with the rank of sub-lieutenant in the Royal Naval Reserve. So that was our background. Okay. And now we have some context. Great. Because we're talking about one main expedition, but I felt it important to talk about the other expeditions so that you would understand... The vibe. Well, and also the extent of his expertise. Yeah. Exactly. The British National Antarctic Expedition, known as the Discovery Expedition, after the ship Discovery, was the brainchild of Sir Clement Markham, president of the Royal Geographical Society. Ahem! Ahem! And had been many years in the making. It was led by Robert Falcon Scott falcon his family were hippies can you imagine at that time what a (laughs) 1800s hippies robert falcon scott a royal navy torpedo lieutenant lately promoted commander the expedition was led by him and had objectives that included scientific and geographical discovery discovery the boat Departed London on July 31st, 1901, arriving at the Antarctic coast via Cape Town and New Zealand on January 8th, 1902. So, it took, it took them a while. Yeah. Because, as previously mentioned, the, it's very big, the globe. Yeah. Previously mentioned. <laughs> yeah, we've been previously mocked on the podcast by Adrian in the group chat. He makes fun of us for our lack of comprehension of geography. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> George Mallory <laughs> is not important yet because it's 1901. That's so he true. hasn't, nobody has climbed, no Englishman has set foot at the base of Everest. But that's a story for another time. During the Antarctic winter of 1902, in the confines of the Iced Inn discovery, Shackleton edited the Expedition's magazine titled The South Polar Times. Aww. Which I just thought was funny. (laughs) That's cute. Expedition leader Scott chose Shackleton to accompany Expedition doctor Edward Wilson and himself on the expedition's southern journey. Their goal? a march southwards to achieve the highest possible latitude in the direction of the South Pole. This march was not a serious attempt on the pole, although the attainment of a high latitude was of great importance to Scott, and the inclusion of Shackleton indicated a high degree of personal trust. Hmm. The party set out on November 2nd, 1902. The march was, Scott later wrote, quote, a combination of success and failure, oh. The men set a new record for the farthest south latitude reached at 82 degrees, 17 minutes. I had to look up how to, I yeah. was like degrees and what is that? What? It's minutes. Oh. You measure it in degrees, minutes, and seconds. That's how. Fascinating. Latitude is determined. And don't come for me, Adrian, because I Googled it. (laughs) Which is what he does when he corrects us. Okay, so don't come for me. (laughs) But yes, 82 degrees, 17 minutes, beating the previous record established in 1900. The journey was complicated by the poor performance of the sled dogs, whose food had become tainted and rapidly fell ill.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, you're going to be sad. All 22 dogs died during the march. Yeah, I think I knew that. Yeah. The three men all suffered at times from snow blindness, frostbite, and ultimately scurvy. Oh. Shackleton suffered a more dramatic amount, often experiencing bouts of breathlessness and weakness that made him unable to reliably pull either of the supply sleds. Mm. While his early death has been widely attributed to heart disease brought on by years of heavy smoking, scientists nowadays suspect that he suffered from an illness called beriberi or a vitamin B deficiency. Oh, geez. It was first identified, the disease was first identified in Southeast Asia in people with rice heavy diets. This could explain why it was not seriously considered as a possible cause of Shackleton's illness, as he was a white European in Antarctica, and the disease was more associated with tropical climates. Yeah. The expedition doctor actually wrote, like, Beriberi in his notes with, like, a question mark, but he never really, like, seriously explored it.
1: Well, and it was probably, at that point, converging what was known about certain areas and what that meant of, yeah. like, is it a deficiency based on your food intake is it a deficiency right. based on your uh, like contact with the sun or like stuff like that is well, it genetic
0: well and also so. it's like is it sure is it a sherlock holmes quote of like the simplest answer is the most likely occam's razor yeah occam's like, razor
1: yeah
0: it's probably scurvy because that's yeah the your, simplest answer is yeah. usually the correct one yeah but anyway This apparent weakness, however, helped to set Ernest Shackleton on the road to making history. After his struggle on the Ross Ice Shelf in 1903, on this discovery expedition, Mm -hmm. Shackleton was considered unfit for duty by the British National Antarctic Expedition. This required that he seek out private funding. In order to continue his Arctic adventures, physician Paul Firth has written quote, on his second expedition on the Nimrod, he set out for the South Pole and narrowly failed to get there. but that's when he became famous. It was the thiamine deficiency that started him on his path as an independent explorer. If he hadn't had Barry Barry, he wouldn't have had to make his own way as a leader unquote. oh. Because if he was just healthy, yeah. he probably would have been just, like, a cog in the machine. And, like, maybe he would have gone on a cool thing, but it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Yeah. Which brings us to our next chapter, the Nimrod. <laughs> Which I find, like, I know that it's, like,
1: a mythical name. But I, it, most people, I, I assume,
0: would associate it with uh, the insult. Yeah. So you're Nimrod. You're Nimrod. In February 1907, Shackleton presented to the Royal Geographical Society his plans for an Antarctic expedition, the details of which, under the name British Antarctic Expedition, to which, (laughs) this is why when I was doing my research, I told Emma, never underestimate the pettiness of a white man. The British National Antarctic Expedition rejected him, so he named his... The British Antarctic Expedition. It's like no, no. I will. I will be
1: reclaiming. I
0: will. The aim was the conquest of both the geographical South Pole and the South Magnetic Pole. Mm. On January first, nineteen o eight, the Nimrod set off from Lyttelton Harbour, New Zealand. New Zealand. Shackleton's original plans had envisioned using the old Discovery Base in McMurdo Sound to launch his attempts on the South Pole. Before leaving England, however, he had been pressured to reach an understanding with his old expedition leader, Scott, that he would not base himself in the McMurdo area, which Scott was claiming as his own field of work. Oh. So he was like, ah, ah that's this mine. Is, this is mine. Go away. Find your own little safe place to base your expedition. The quote Great Southern Journey, as Frank Wilde called it, began on October 29, 1908. On January 9th, 1909, Shackleton and three companions, Frank Wilde, Eric Marshall, and Jameson Adams, reached a new farthest south latitude of 88 degrees 23 minutes south. A point only 112 miles, 180 kilometers you. from the South Pole. Other stuff happened, but this is like the context, so I didn't want to get too far into it. So That's fair. Along the way, the South Pole Party discovered the Beardmore Glacier and became the first persons to see and travel on the South Polar Plateau. Their return journey to McMurdo Sound was a race against starvation on half rations for much of the way. They arrived at Hut Point just in time to catch the ship. The expedition's other main accomplishments included the first ascent of Mount Erebus and the discovery of the approximate location of the South Magnetic Pole. Hmm. Shackleton returned to the United Kingdom as a hero and soon afterward published his expedition account titled Heart of the Antarctic. It was after his return that he was knighted by King Edward VII. Oh, And I love this. His wife, Emily Shackleton, later wrote, quote, The only comment he made to me about not reaching the pole was, quote, A live donkey is better than a dead lion, isn't it? And I said, Yes, darling, as far as I am concerned. Oh,
1: that's both hilarious and very sweet.
0: Yeah. And I also love this fact, seems really cool. Several mostly intact cases of whiskey and brandy left behind on this expedition in 1909 were recovered in 2010 for analysis by a distilling company a revival of the vintage and since lost formula for the particular brands found has been offered for sale with a portion of the proceeds to benefit the New Zealand Antarctic Heritage Trust which discovered the lost spirits i love that so they were like oh my gosh we we don't know how to make this kind of whiskey anymore so we're going to do it that's amazing i'll put it on my my wish list of like historic reference liquors that i probably can't buy in america and that i probably won't like but i want to taste but i want anyway yeah <laughs> i want the george mallory gin and the antarctica whiskey for context y'all
1: shannon drinks mostly only sweet wine
0: <laughs> and like rum drinks oh they're that's tropical. because they're tropical <laughs> yes
1: anything yeah. anything
0: super fruity usually with a pineapple involved yep that is a shannon drink but I want the George Mallory gin because it's, I mean, do I need to explain? If I do, you're new here. You're Go new back. here. You'll, Hi. you'll figure it out.
1: But welcome. We we love you.
0: Yes. All right. Our next chapter, preparation for endurance. <gasps> so, like, we're actually getting to the main point of it now. But, but it's so exciting. It's the lead up. And we're going to start with a quote from Wikipedia. <laughs> quote, any future resumption by Shackleton of the quest for the south pole depended on the results of Scott's Terra Nova expedition which left from Cardiff in July 1910 by early 1912 the world was aware that the pole had been conquered by the norwegian roald <laughs> amundsen <laughs>
1: I'm sorry I'm so sorry. it was just the way you, I I just appreciate every time you, you you write a word that you know you're not going to be able to pronounce how you look so incredulous at your computer as
0: if as if where did this come from What you wrote <laughs> that for me to read on oh, somebody's name. I know. Sorry Mr. Amundsen. What's, what's his name again? I'm sorry I laughed right over it roald Amundsen. all right i think okay the fate of scott's expedition was not then known shackleton's mind turned to a project that had been announced and then abandoned by the british explorer william spears bruce for a continental crossing from a landing in the weddell sea via the south pole to mcmurdo sound Bruce, who had failed to acquire financial backing, was happy that Shackleton should adopt his plans. Oh, unquote. That's sweet. So basically, they were like, he was like, well, somebody already got to the South Pole first. I'm gonna make up a new goal. I'm gonna walk across Antarctica. Yeah. Which I'm like,
1: All okay, right, Boynton.
0: Boynton! Except, you know, he had actually explored some. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unlike Boynton. <laughs>
1: unlike, unlike the man who tried to walk the U.S. without clothes.
0: Naked. Yeah. Naked. Naked. Shackleton published details of his new expedition, grandly titled The Imperial Transit Antarctic Expedition. That is very grand. And he published about it in early 1914. There is a legend that says Shackleton's newspaper article was written a certain way so that he could better narrow down and select candidates for his expedition. The article did not go into detail, so I don't know what that legend is, but I'm sure there's some psychology to it of, like, if you're trying to attract, like, brave but skilled people, you're going to write in a different manner than if you were just looking for, like, a bunch of yahoos.
1: Yeah, you're hoping that the actual good people, the ones who actually know what they're doing, will respond. I'm sure they got plenty of yahoos answering. Well,
0: just wait. Oh, The plan was to engage two ships for the expedition. The first, called Endurance, would carry the main expedition party of six men, led by Shackleton, into the Weddell Sea. The party would aim to depart from Vassel Bay to cross the continent. Meanwhile, a second ship, the Aurora, would take a supporting party under Captain Aeneas McIntosh to McMurdo Sound on the opposite side of the continent. This party would then lay supply depots across the Great Ice Barrier as far as the Beardmore Glacier. These depots would hold the food and fuel that would enable Shackleton's party to complete their journey of 1,800 miles, 2,900 kilometers across the continent. So y'all can't see it, (laughs) but
1: Shannon just, with her hands demonstrated exactly how all of that went down and it was amazing
0: it's just for your benefit i really appreciated <laughs> it. it was very helpful so i didn't get lost no that was very helpful great shackleton received over five thousand applications from men <gasps> looking to join this expedition Dang.
1: well i mean it feels like something of like i want to make a name for myself situation i want to be one of the people yeah. involved
0: so obviously this was back when people could like still be explorers put yeah. that on your resume yeah i'm an explorer i'm an explorer of no hu- i don't i don't of the human consciousness dude i also drive an explorer <laughs> that's definitely someone who goes to the um what's the other one the national geographic society yeah <laughs> instead of the royal yeah uh him or like the british mountaining. um oh. I don't remember, but they're cool. They've got the, the the gong. They've got the gong that is the oxygen tank. They got the gong.
1: You're so confused. Go. go I. That I don't here. remember what episode that was because that. I wasn't. I think that was
0: Boynton. I, that must have been Boynton. We went on a whole Everest tangent <laughs> during Boynton because of course we did. When do I not? Uh, me on every date ever. I'm like, so let's talk about Mount Everest for a let's second. Are you familiar? And then when oh when they try to like mansplain stuff to me, I'm like. <laughs> Actually, it was 1924, you bozo. (laughs) Why am I single? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of taking 5,000 applications, (laughs) his interview techniques, much like mine, were considered eccentric at the time as he valued the personality and skills of a man, (laughs) believing both important to the makeup of a successful crew. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) He ultimately selected... 56 men total so like he's included the captains are included but there are 28 on each ship there were also 70 sled dogs involved in the expedition as well there was also a male cat named mrs chippy that belonged to the carpenter harry mcnish i love it is harry mcnish irish he must
1: be probably or Celtic mrs. Chippy. mrs chippy <laughs> mrs chippy he makes me think of john silver and treasure island that's what it feels like to me the, i mean you've seen treasure planet right yeah
0: yeah the the little blob is mrs chippy, no, mrs. Yeah. chippy. <laughs> despite the outbreak of world war one on august 3rd 1914 Endurance was directed by the First Lord of the Admiralty, Winston Churchill, to proceed and left British waters on August 8th. Shackleton delayed his own departure until September 27th. He was doing some last minute fundraising, some other logistical things. Um, But he met the ship in Buenos Aires. And then we have another quote from Wikipedia. Mother Source Yeah, truly. She did a lot of lifting on this one. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We're recording this on Mother's Day. We're recording
1: this on Mother's Day and specifically for Wikipedia.
0: (laughs) Thanks. All right. Quote, voyages to the Antarctic Circle in the 16 years prior to Endurance's purchase had been almost uniformly successful with only one vessel, the 30-year-old whaler Antarctic, Mm. having been crushed in the ice. With it being felt that little harm could come to a purpose-built ship in a sea in which ice halted all the waves, Endurance became the first ship to be insured for her journey. Oh. All previous examples had their insurance end at the last port of call before their journey into the ice. Yeah. Lloyd's of London and the Indemnity... Marine Insurance Company underwrote Endurance at the value of fifteen thousand pounds. Jeez, I just think that's funny though. That they're like, if you're going somewhere where there's ice, there's not going to be waves, and only waves can hurt a boat. So you don't need insurance. That's insane. That's so funny. <laughs> Hard waves won't hurt. Next chapter, not so smooth sailing. Hmm. Endurance departed for the Weddell Sea on December 5th, 1914, heading for Vassell Bay. Two days after leaving port, Endurance encountered polar pack ice and pro- progress slowed to a crawl. For weeks, Endurance worked her way through the pack, averaging less than 30 miles, 50 kilometers, per day. Jeez, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. By January 15th, Endurance was within 200 miles (320 kilometers) of her destination, Vassal Bay. By the following morning, heavy pack ice was sighted, and in the afternoon a gale developed. Uh-oh. Under these conditions, it was soon evident that progress could not be made, and Endurance took shelter under the lee of a large grounded iceberg. During the next 2 days, The ship moved back and forth under the sheltering protection of the iceberg. On January 18th, the gale began to moderate, and Endurance set the topsail with the engine at slow. The pack was blown away. Progress was made slowly, until hours later Endurance encountered the pack once more. It was decided to move forward and work through the pack, and at 5 p.m., Endurance entered it. This ice was different from what had been encountered before, and the ship was soon among thick but soft, brash ice, and became frozen fast in an ice floe. Correct. Several attempts were made to free endurance from the ice, but to no avail. And by the end of February, temperatures had fallen, and the ship was frozen in for the winter. And then I wrote, you can read about it all in much more harrowing detail on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> it all sounds incredibly stressful and de- demoralizing. oh Like a crack opens in the ice up ahead, but it doesn't reach the boat, so they try to hack out a path by hand. Meanwhile, the ship backs up within their tiny patch of open water to get as much room as possible to become a battering ram. Jeez. <laughs> on February 24th. Realizing that she would be trapped until the following spring, Shackleton ordered the abandonment of these attempts and the ship's routine and her conversion to a winter station. So we're not trying to move anymore. Okay. We are stationary, sedentary. We are not going anywhere. The ship had slowly drifted south and at this point was within 60 miles, 97 kilometers. Thank you. Of the intended landing point at Vassal Bay. But the icy terrain between the ship and the shore was too arduous to travel while carrying the materials and supplies needed for the overland expedition. Which at this point in reading, I was like, oh, right. We're not even to the start, quote unquote, of the thing we set out to do. We're still, we're commuting to the adventure. (laughs) Whoops. Sometimes the journey is the adventure. It's the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Uh, The ship drifted slowly northward with the ice through the following months. On May 2nd, the sun went down, signaling the start of a long, dark, Antarctic winter. So not only are you stuck in a boat in the middle of the ocean, stuck in ice, you don't get to see the sun now. Forget it. I'm done. During those several months, Shackleton ensured that the inside of the ship was converted to living accommodations that were suited for the extreme winter temperatures of the area. He also knew how important staying active is during these times, when a habit of inactivity can easily settle in, and he encouraged his men to take regular walks.
1: This feels like uh, lockdown. (laughs)
0: Yeah, truly. He's
1: like, it's that TikTok of get your steps in the TikTok of going on a
0: stupid walk for my, my stupid, stupid mental health. <laughs> truly, when spring arrived in September, because keep in mind we're in the Southern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. when spring arrived in September, the breaking of the ice and its later movements put extreme pressures on the ship's hull. The ship and the surrounding ice, in addition to being swept along by larger currents, were being affected by pressure waves moving through the region. Okay. By October, temperatures of nearly 29 degrees Fahrenheit, negative 2 Celsius, were recorded, and the ice showed further signs of opening up. Spring is here. Woo! Great. The ice flow against the ship's starboard broke up on October 14th, casting the endurance afloat in a pool of open water for the first time in nine months. On October 16th, Shackleton ordered steam to be raised so the ship could take advantage of any openings in the ice. It took nearly four hours for the boilers to be filled with fresh water melted from ice, and then a leak was discovered in one of the fittings, and they had to be pumped out, repaired, and then refilled. Oh golly! The following day, a lead of open water was seen ahead of the ship, Only one boiler had been lit, and there was insufficient steam to use the engine. So all the sails were set to try and force the ship into loosening pack ice. I completely forgot that we're working with a steam ship. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't work. Oh, God. In the late afternoon of October 18th, the ice closed in around the Endurance once again. Dang it. On October 24th, the damaged ship was wracked by further pressure waves, pinning her between both flows. So they were stuck between two ice flows. Uh Uh-oh. So they're really stuck. A large mass of ice slammed into the stern, tearing the stern post away from the hull planking. Jeez, they're just sitting here watching it happen, basically, right? No, the feeling it happened, yeah. Around the same time, the bow planking was shoved in, causing simultaneous flooding in the engine room and the forward hold. Mm. The crew attempted to bail the water out, but their efforts were ultimately unsuccessful. Amid temperatures from negative eight point five Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh. Which is negative twenty-two point five Celsius in the morning to negative sixteen Fahrenheit, negative twenty-seven Celsius in the evening. Thank you. So these temperatures are all happening. I, oh. So in the midst of this. Shackleton finally gives the order to abandon ship on October 27th at around 5 p.m. Their position was logged at 29 degrees, five minutes south, longitude 51 degrees, 30 minutes west. Shackleton wrote, quote, we have been compelled to abandon the ship, which is crushed beyond all hope of ever being righted. We are alive and well, and we have stores and equipment for the task that lies before us. The task is to reach land with all the members of the expedition. It is hard to write what I feel, unquote.
1: Oh, oh, that just hit my heart. That made me want to cry. I really
0: like this dude. Yeah. During the course of the next day, parties were sent back to the ship to recover more supplies and stores. They found that the entire port side of the Endurance had been driven inwards and compressed, and, and the ice had entirely filled the bow and stern sections. Only one of the six cabins had not been pierced by the flows. Shackleton wrote that the entire aft of the ship, quote, had been crushed concertina fashion. Concertina? Yeah. Unquote. <laughs> the forward motor engine was pushed into the galley, and gasoline cans stacked on deck were pushed through the deck house wall halfway into the wardroom. Whoa. The ship's blue ensign, which is a flag. Okay. I had to look it up. Thank you. Was Which, from context clues, you can figure it out, but it's like a variation on the Union Jack. Okay. The ship's blue ensign was hoisted up her mizzen mast so that she would, in Shackleton's words, quote, go down with colors flying. Aww. Although he had remained positive that the ship would eventually break free of the ice and continue as planned, Once Shackleton made the decision to abandon ship, he made sure his crew was provided for as much as possible. First, he had ensured that the three lifeboats were moved to the ice and that new shoes were made from wood from the soon-to-sink Endurance for crew members who needed them. Next chapter, survival. Or, rather, endurance, one would say. Very, Very
1: well done. Very well done. Thank you. I'm scared, though.
0: Fear not. Okay. Wikipedia, here we go. Another quote. Mother stars? Yeah. After a failed attempt to manhaul the boats and stores overland on sledges, Shackleton realized that the effort was much too intense and the party would have to camp on the ice until it carried them to the north and broke up. Please no. Interjection. That whenever they're talking about these giant like sheets of ice, I'm picturing that one scene from Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe when they yes. are like They're like he likes uh Peter like stabs yes. the, uh, an ice block and with like a breaks sword, it off. And they like journey away. Obviously on a much larger scale. Right. Back to I, the-
1: meanwhile, I'm thinking like Buddy the Elf.
0: Oh god. <laughs>
1: on its way on his way to New York.
0: Bye buddy. Hope you beat your dad. No absolutely not um right <laughs> back to the wikipedia quote <clears throat> more parties were sent back to the endurance still with her masts and rigging intact and all but her bow above the ice to salvage any remaining items by then 2 days after abandoning her the ship was submerged up to the forecastle if you know boats that means something to you
1: that's really that's a really cool name though
0: yeah uh.
1: Sound like you said my name. <laughs> <Emma>.
0: <laughs> a large portion of the provisions had been left on the submerged lower deck. The only way to retrieve them was to cut through the main deck, which was more than a foot thick in places, and itself under three feet of water.
1: <laughs> Freezing water. No, thank you. I'd be like, mm, I'm good with this tiny saltine. Thank you.
0: Wow. Well, These men had a little more endurance than Emma. Yeah, I would not. Number one, I wouldn't be in this situation. (laughs) Fair. Some crates and boxes floated up once a hole had been cut, while others were retrieved with a grapple. In total, nearly 3.5 tons of stores were recovered from the wrecked ship. Dang. Which you will see becomes important.
1: Very well done, boys. Very well done.
0: In the late afternoon of November 21, 1915, movement of the remaining wreckage was noticed as another pressure wave hit. Within the space of a minute, the stern of the Endurance was lifted clear of the ice as the floes moved together, and then, as the pressure passed and they moved apart, the entire wreck fell into the ocean. Aww. The ice surrounding the spot where the Endurance had sunk immediately moved together again, obliterating any trace of the wreck
1: that's so it's so cool and cinematic to think of it that
0: way well speaking of cinematic there was a photographer on this expedition so we have pictures that's so cool and video
1: that's so cool. of the ship
0: so check the check the youtube link in the show notes if you want to see it's a short little two minute i love it film and yeah it's pretty wild Captain Frank Worsley fixed the position of the wreck at 68 degrees, 38.5 minutes south, 52 degrees, 58 minutes west. For almost two months, Shackleton and his party camped on a large flat flow, hoping that it would drift towards Paulet Island, approximately 250 miles, 402 kilometers away, where it was known that stores were cached. Because, right, they're assuming that the other boat did their job. <laughs> yeah. After failed attempts to march across the ice to this island, Shackleton decided to set up a more permanent camp, titled Patience Camp, on another floe and trust the drift of the ice to take them towards a safe landing. By March 17th, 1916, their ice camp was within 60 miles, 97 kilometers, of Paulette Island, However, separated by impassable ice, they were unable to reach it. On April 9th, their ice floe broke into two, and Shackleton ordered the crew into the lifeboats and to head for the nearest land. After five harrowing days at sea, the exhausted men landed their three lifeboats at Elephant Island, 346 miles, 557 kilometers from where the endurance sank geez this was the first time they stood on solid ground for not five i can't talk i got too excited (laughs) this was the first time they had stood on solid ground for 497 days insane shackleton's concern for his men was such that he gave his mittens to photographer frank hurley who had lost his during the boat journey Shackleton suffered frostbitten fingers as a result. But like, he seems like a good guy.
1: And he obviously knew the importance of documenting everything that's
0: happening. So he's like, very much I want. I'm willing to sacrifice my fingers. You keep your fingers. Yeah. (laughs) Because the island was remote and rarely visited, so there weren't shipping routes that passed it, Shackleton decided that help needed to be sought. On April 24th, he, Captain Worsley, and four others, including a sailor named Timothy McCarthy, Hey! began a voyage in a ship's boat in one of the lifeboats, yeah. which they christened James Caird for South Georgia, which, I looked it up, is an island in the southern Atlantic Ocean that is part of the British Overseas Territory of South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands. Sandwich! Shackleton refused to pack supplies for more than four weeks, knowing that if they did not reach South Georgia within that time, the boat and its crew would be lost. So he didn't want to waste more provisions for the people that they were leaving behind.
1: And probably wait
0: on on the boat, too. Yeah. The tiny boat and its crew traveled for 15 days, even facing down a hurricane- To finally land in South Georgia. Ah, this is amazing. This feels like a miracle. Unfortunately, after arriving, they still had a harrowing two-day journey, land journey, to make, because they landed on the southern part of the island, which was not really inhabited. So they had to walk for two days to reach the other end of the island to get help. So Shackleton, Worsley, and one other man traveled 32 miles, 51 kilometers, over extremely dangerous mountainous terrain for 36 hours to reach the whaling station at Stromness on May 20th. Dang. Yeah. After reaching South Georgia, Shackleton worked on arranging a rescue mission for those left on Elephant Island. Well, first he sent a boat to the other side of of South Georgia to pick up the other three guys. Shackleton and Worsley made three voyages in different vessels that were unable to get through the ice to reach them. The fourth attempt, in the Yelcho, loaned by the Chilean government, was successful. The actual retrieval of the men from the beach was done as quickly as possible before the ice closed in again. But, even in that haste, care was taken to collect all the records and photographs of the expedition, as these were the only hope shackleton had of paying the expenses of the failed expedition Aww. incredibly every single man who started this incredibly challenging journey returned to south america over the coming months without the loss of a single human life which is exactly what he sought out to do he wrote down
1: this is what i this is my goal i'm going to i'm going to reach my goal manifestation baby this is amazing. It truly feels like a miracle, though. Like, I'm, it's giving me kind of shivers, and not just because it's cold in this basement. It's so good. <laughs> Um,
0: Yeah, so he went on to return to the South Pole um, for a fourth time, where he ultimately passed. I didn't get into it. Yeah. Because this is already a lot. So, they all got rescued. Amazing. Yes. Where's the boat, though? We don't know. We've tried to find it. I'm going to tell you about some of the people who attempted to find it. In 1998, wreckage found at Stinker Point on the southwestern side of Elephant Island was incorrectly identified as flotsam from the ship. It was instead from the 1877 wreck of the Connecticut sealing ship Charles Shearer. In 2001, Wreck hunter David Mearns unsuccessfully planned an expedition to find the wreck of the Endurance. One of the, quote, good weather years was 2002, which allowed the German research vessel Polarstern to make a very close pass and conduct limited mapping, echo sounding, of the seafloor. The resolution was never going to be sharp enough to detect the ship, but it was... Helpful in terms of giving them some insights about the ocean bed, which was really encouraging in terms of the what they could expect the, the wreck to look like. It was proposed that Endurance was probably lying on flat terrain that had been undisturbed by either erosion or by underwater landslides. Both good things. Yeah. Sediment deposition was also expected to be low at a rate of less than one millimeter a year. So it's not getting buried under dirt. By 2003, two rival groups were making plans for an expedition to find the wreck, but no expedition was mounted at the time. And I'm like, what if you weren't rivals? What if you pooled your resources? Worked together, but okay.
1: Glory versus...
0: We've all seen National Treasure.
1: Yeah, literally, that's what I've been thinking about this entire time. I haven't brought it up. I haven't brought it up. I'm so sorry that I didn't bring it up
0: earlier. But it truly is what I've been thinking about this entire time. In 2010, Mearns announced a new plan to search for the wreck. The plan was sponsored by the National Geographic Society, but was subject to finding sponsorship for the balance of the $10 million estimated cost. Mm. And that was in U.S. 10 million U.S. A Weddell Sea expedition to locate and possibly photograph the wreck was underway in the Antarctic summer of 2018-2019. The Dutch research team aboard the South American vessel S.A. Algolhaus II embarked on its mission in early January 2019. Ah, simpler times. Right. Before we knew. (laughs) The group's primary mission was, quote, surveying the storied Larson Sea ice shelf along the Antarctic Peninsula and the gigantic A-68 iceberg that separated from it on January 12, 2017, when what started as an enormous crack in Larson Sea culminated in the separation of a Delaware-sized trillion-ton iceberg drifting through the Weddell Sea. That's the other thing that when I was doing, I was like, that doesn't seem real, and you were like, "What?" And I was like, "How do I tell you there's an iceberg the size of Delaware just floating around?"
1: <laughs> I still wouldn't have gotten it. I would have known, like, "Oh, we're doing something like Antarctic," but like, well, I know.
0: But I didn't want, I didn't want to give it away. And also, like, Delaware boats. doesn't
1: exist, so it wouldn't have meant anything to You're me. You're like, so, so it does, that iceberg doesn't, doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> the iceberg doesn't exist. Ah, that's what I put behind me. Just put a map of Delaware with a
0: gigantic X, X. through it. <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> Print out that picture of you, like, yeah. sulking Scowling. in front of the Welcome to Delaware sign. Uh, so this 2019 expedition was the first ever group to use autonomous underwater vehicles, AUVs, in the search for Shackleton's ship. The use of AUVs in this case was significant, as the robot vessels could journey hundreds of miles underwater, collecting data and taking photo and video. So cool. Like a Mars rover, but for the ocean. Yeah. I was thinking about it yesterday, about how I got really emotional about the Mars rover when it when it died.
1: Yeah, you really did. I cried. They did good
0: work. <sighs> yeah, but the fact that he's like, It's getting dark. I know. And I can't I'm literally You're already <laughs> you're getting You're getting emotional again. This is a happy story, dang it. Anyway, so the AUVs um, uh, were a major asset in the inhospitable waters of the Antarctic, where it is frequently a challenge to reach the proposed search area for the endurance due to poor weather and thick ice flows similar to those that trapped the ship in the first place. Guys, it hasn't changed too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, global warming still a problem, but still. Along with AUVs, the expedition used remotely operated vehicles, ROVs, to help, quote, collect samples of flora and fauna, unquote, from the Antarctic seabed, aerial drones to help with reconnaissance and surveys of the areas the team couldn't reach, as well as sediment cores that will, quote, sample the organisms that live on or just below the surface of the ocean floor, unquote. Initially, the expedition did amazingly well, reaching the recognized wreck location and launching an autonomous underwater vehicle, AUV, to survey the ocean floor. But Mm. this robot broke communications with the expedition research vessel some 20 hours into its mapping operation and was never seen again. No, no. What it might have detected, we'll never know. Encroaching sea ice forced the team to abandon its AUV and vacate the area. So they got close. Yeah. But... Mother Nature said, I'm taking this. It's Which brings us to Endurance 22. (gasps) In July 2021, the Falklands Maritime Heritage Trust announced Endurance 22, a new expedition to search for the wreck of endurance that would launch in early 2022 using Saab Submersible Technology the Endurance 22 Expedition was the first to deploy Saab Sabertooth underwater vehicles to search for the wreck of Sir Ernest Shackleton's lost ship. These hybrid vehicles combine the attributes of a remote operating vehicle always linked to the surface and an autonomous underwater vehicle which is capable of operating without a link. So it's like The best of both
1: worlds, chilling out and down below, and we're running the show.
0: I don't know. Good job. Thanks. you did better than I. I was like, oh, God, I have to... uh, Oh, she (laughs) finished the line. Thank God. (laughs) So, if the conditions did not allow the research vessel to get close enough to the proposed location of the wreck, the team planned to set up one or two ice camps where holes could be drilled large enough to deploy... The vehicles. This, however, did not turn out to be necessary. The wreck of the Endurance was discovered on March 5th, 2022. So cool. In a March 9th press release, Endurance 22 announced that they had successfully found the wreck in the Weddell Sea at a depth of 9,869 feet, 3008 meters or 1,645 fathoms, thank you. That was a new one. (laughs) Four miles, 3.5 nautical miles, 6.4 kilometers, south of Worsley's originally calculated location. Cool. Really cool. Mensen Bound, director of exploration on the expedition, said that Worsley's navigational skills had helped the expedition find the wreck. His historic, quote, detailed records were invaluable, unquote. Additionally, sea ice, which covers the Weddell Sea year round and usually makes underwater exploration nearly impossible due to its thickness, was recorded as being at the lowest levels around Antarctica since space satellite records began in the 1970s. So, so like, global warming's bad, but it was kind of helpful in this case. Yeah. The team was pleased to report that the ship appears to be in remarkably good condition. Probably because it's frozen. (laughs) It was filmed and photographed extensively, including ultra-high-definition 3D scanning. In line with the team's pre-departure promise, they did not salvage any part of the wreck or its contents. Good. As the ship is now a protected historic site and monument under the Antarctic Treaty System. Good. As it should be, and that my friends, is the surprisingly harrowing but also surprisingly happy story of Ernest Shackleton and the ship Endurance. that was so cool and so much fun, and we actually have answers for once and everyone survived everybody lived like, well, all
1: the people lived, yeah, all the babies are gone, but it's okay they they sacrificed their lives for the good of the good of the people.
0: I can't remember the cat's name. I was going to be like, shout out to you. Mrs. Chippy. Mrs. Chippy. The best male cat there ever was. Baby.
1: Are we saying male as in... Yeah, it was a boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You thought it
0: was a cat that was like running up and down the ship. Being like, oi, take this to the (laughs) captain." That's not Irish. That's like Cockney, but... (laughs) I understand your confusion though. That would be cool, if right? They had a a, like, a male postal cat,
1: like a po- yeah, a postal yeah. cat, a postal cat, postal kitten. That's cute. The baby, the baby, the baby. He's
0: got a job. Yeah. Um. I will say, check the show notes. If you, I have one cool underwater photo, um, but definitely check the show notes because they have a whole gallery from the I'm expedition. Definitely watching that video. Yeah it's freaking cool man it's a shipwreck it's so cool i love a i love a sunken sunken i know
1: you do you still have that that like tabletop book right of
0: all of the like probably yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't get rid of any of my my art books (laughs) lol because we both know i don't actually read them i just collect them yeah i am reading an everest memoir right now yes yes you are it's very good it's called in the shadow of the mountain check it out Terrifying. terrifying Anyway, you know what's not terrifying? Getting mail from our postal cat. Yay! So let's, let's have our, po- our postal kitten come on over while uh, you roll the jingle. Drop the bass. Welcome back. Thanks, Postal Cat. Bye. Bye. Meow.
1: It's just Squid with her bread. <laughs> She's like,
0: ah, "That's my croissant." Relatable,
1: right? All right. So today we have a mailbag moment. Mailbag moment from our listener Christian. Hello. What's up? What's up? um he also he sent a pdf of this story which i thoroughly appreciate thank you it makes it easy to read but also weird to read off of a phone (laughs) because it's like (laughs) sideways now um but here we go i thoroughly enjoy a good ghost story and i have a few of my own what makes this story unique is that it comes with evidence oh no one of my favorite pastimes is taking my friends on ghost tours through colonial williamsburg that's where christian currently lives there are several professional tours giving, given through CW, Williamsburg, as well as private companies, but I've learned many of the stories myself. Today, I will be talking about the Peyton Randolph House. This sounds like Christian is giving us an episode. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like, here you, here you go. go.
1: A mini-sode. Yes. Peyton Randolph was born in 1721 and is one of the founding fathers of the U.S. As a wealthy planter and with high regard in the community, he ascended to some lofty positions in his life, including the first and third president of the Continental Congress. Technically, this would make him the first executive of the United States. The Peyton Randolph House was originally built by William Robertson in 1715 on the corner of Nicholson and North England streets. It was sold to Sir John Randolph in 1724, who purchased an adjacent lot where he built a second home. Years later, John's son, Peyton, joined the two houses together by building a middle section, effectively creating the largest nightmare house in America. Mm. The Randolph House has witnessed some of the most dramatic moments in American history, from the American Revolution, the American Civil War, to the modern era. Notable figures, including George Washington, are recorded as visiting the house. During the Civil War, it was used as a field hospital during the Peninsular Campaign of 1862. There have been dozens of reported deaths in the house, which is not altogether surprising given the house's lengthy life. It does have a legend for ghosts, though, and was even featured on USA Today's list of most haunted houses in the United States. Wow. The very first paranormal experience was recorded by none other than the Marquis de Lafayette during his anniversary tour of the U.S. in 1824, which is also when Edgar Allan Poe was... A kid in the little welcoming party. A little cadet in the welcoming party. Ah! This is a quote from him. I considered myself fortunate to lodge in the home of a great man, Peyton Randolph. Upon my arrival as I entered the foyer, I felt a hand on my shoulder. It nudged me as if intending to keep me from entering. I quickly turned but found no one there. The nights were not restful as the sounds of voices kept me awake for most of my stay. End quote. During excavation in the mid-20th century, it was discovered that there were two indigenous burial sites located beneath the house and that they had been disturbed during the construction of the colonial parkway, which runs underneath the grounds. Mm. One of my favorite stories to tell is that of a young girl who had fallen down the flight of stairs and cracked her head open when she landed forcefully on the hard floor. From the front of the house, you can see the downstairs corner window where the staircase is located. Her ghost is rumored to haunt the stairwell. I could go on about the many unfortunate demises that have taken place in the house or about the legends of ghosts, but I would like to feature my own story. About five years ago, I was giving a late-night ghost tour through Chloe Williamsburg. I always encourage people to take lots of photos, which gives them some entertainment and memories, if nothing else. The tour was a success, although uneventful. (laughs) In parentheses, luckily. Two or three nights after the tour, I was awoken from my slumber, not by a ghost, but by my then girlfriend. She looked startled and was visibly shaken. She told me she hadn't been able to sleep and decided to look through her pictures on her phone. She told me that she saw something disturbing in one of the images. She slowly produced her phone as if it were cursed. What I saw sent chills down my spine and still does. There, clearly outlined, was the image of a young girl looking out from the downstairs corridor window. I consider myself a skeptic and try to explain any oddity as something of the rational world, but this I could not debunk. Every time I visit the house, I take several pictures trying to recreate the image, hoping that it can be explained by some glimmer of light, the reflection of a flash, or by the streetlight hitting the centuries-old glass. I have never been successful. I am not going to show you this photo, Because I'm looking at it, and it –
0: yeah, it's a little girl. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Maybe I'll look at it at work tomorrow when it's daytime.
1: Like, it's it's obviously, like, zoomed in from a – Also,
0: I want to know, did Christian, like, have that, like – he must did have his ha- ex-girlfriend like send it to him at the time have, yeah. or is he that much of a fan that he reached out to his ex to be like <laughs> hey i need that ghost picture <laughs> let us know um but it truly like it's
1: it's obviously like zoomed in from like a photo that someone had taken from uh, from outside the house um so it's not like you can zoom in and like enhance and see like a face or anything
0: zach bacon's good he would yeah that's fair it's just like a microsoft like,
1: paint I'm, drawing i'm looking at this and my heart is like Emma! <laughs> it's it's bad um no! so thank you so so much yeah
0: did you close out of it um i G- did give me my back. Um,
1: but i also want everyone to know that christian sent this as a pdf but in the email body he said get in losers we're getting scared <laughs> <laughs> and correct. Oh, my I'm goodness. really glad too that I'm the one that read that because I don't think you would have been able to get through it. Like my heart no. my heart is beating so fast. I mean right you now.
0: specifically asked. You were like, I did, because I knew
1: I knew it was going to be a ghost story. I was Like I definitely want to read this. Um, Christian, I know that you have a handful of other ghost stories, one of which you told me when we were working together, so I'm gonna Give need to a us. few of those. As well as like so Christian and I used to work at Bush Gardens. I think Christian still does sometimes. Yeah. Because um, it's contract based. So it's like, you know, not always, but. And he's like mucho talented. He is mucho talented. He's wonderful. And so is Sarah. Sarah's also mucho talented, his girlfriend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What's
1: up? <laughs> um, but when we worked together, the theater that we were based in, in the amusement park, um, was where Christian had had like, multiple experiences and so he told me one of the stories and I was like dude <laughs> like no don't tell me this I want to know but I also don't want to know You're like tell me after we close yes like, tell so me need, over
0: a beer so not I while we're working <laughs> yeah tell me at the beginning of our run when I'm doing like eight shows a day in this venue cool right great
1: thanks but like I know that multiple multiple people who work there have had experiences. So, super
0: fun. Let me know
1: if anyone else has a story and send it in, please. Yeah, please um, send it in. Also, I really enjoy like that was terrifying, but I also really enjoy like the history of all of that. If you didn't notice, Christian is a huge history buff, like super I mean, into all of it. Hopefully he
0: enjoyed this episode. Right?
1: Um, but like I really enjoyed all of that history. And even like a pulled quote from Marquis de Lafayette uh, you're so good. Thank you so much, Christian. I really appreciated that. That was awesome. And also, my heart is still <laughs> so it's running so fast. No, thank you. It was you. a scary photo. I'll put it. I'll, if you send me the uh, the the pictures, I'll post it to Instagram for you. No, I
0: don't have space. All all ten <laughs> spots in the carousel are taken by my beautiful ghost ship that's not a ghost ship. well then that
1: means I'm putting it in a, in a story then with with Christian's permission obviously but
0: we'll figure it out
1: <laughs> oh, don't forget ha- to follow us yeah we have to remember that Shannon does not like
0: ghosts at all yeah and just remember this podcast does not exist are
1: you okay yeah. I gotta go. I gotta gotta leave this house. I gotta go. I gotta lie.